בשם השם נעשה ונצליח, שיעור תורה, ברוכים הבאים, שבוע טוב, שבוע מבורך. ברוך השם, we are continuing our series of the Igeret Agra, where the Gaomi Vilna is uh, teaching us one week after another uh, in each one of his sentences uh, about how to live, what to live for, how to deal with the uh, difficult circumstances of the days that we live in today, where there's terrorism in the streets, anti-Semitism everywhere, and uh, of course, uh, lots of uh, confusion uh, and ignorance that's out there. Uh, tonight's shiur, Be'ezot Hashem, is uh, going to be for Refuah Shlema for Rabbanit Levana Bat Sarah, Rav Ephraim Ben Shulamit, Rabbanit Sarah Bat Anat, Avimori David Ben Nesriya, Doris Bat Jora, uh, and also for Leavdil for Atzlacha Rabba and uh, Big Mazal Tov for the uh, new couple that's uh, getting married uh, tonight, uh, Yeshua Ben uh, Bela and uh, Rivka Bat uh, Michel. Kadosh Baruch Hu Yivarech Otam Bekol Mikol Kol Big Mazal Tov. They have a lot of Atzlacha Zera Sheli Kaima and build a uh, Beit Neeman BeYisrael. Uh, also for the parents as well, of course. Uh, our dear friends, and also for a Bachava um, Atzlacha to uh, Marsha Bat Julie, Ayla Bat Marsha, Samuel Ben Marsha, Sephas Ben Marsha, Alexander Ben Marsha, Louis Ben Marsha, Shaul Ben Farzane, Amir Ben Shahin, and all of Am Israel, uh, and all of the righteous Noahides, especially the ones that uh, continue to uh, work on themselves, watching our Shurim, continuing to Serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the best of their abilities, each day learning more, doing more, uh, to uh, get closer to HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu, as we're all obligated to do. Now, of course, the, uh, the Gomi Vilna uh, did not skip a beat uh, with, uh, with the letter that he wrote, one, one, uh, one rebuke after another to uh, the people that he loved the most, as uh, we learned from our sages that if you, uh, you know, when you rebuke somebody, uh, that's only because you love them. You're not rebuking them because you hate them. Uh, rebuke that comes from hate is not uh, is not rebuke, but rather just simple animosity and disagreement. But when you truly love somebody, you uh, are uh, very happy to fulfill the mitzvah uh, of ochech tochech that uh, you must rebuke your people. Uh, and of course, when uh, you do love Am Yisrael, when you do love uh, you know, the Torah itself, you're uh, happy to receive a rebuke, even though it's sometimes difficult to you. Uh, and of course, all of the shiurim that we do, uh, part of them is uh, to rebuke ourselves, part of them is to rebuke different students that are watching, and Baruch Hashem, the uh, event that we had last week, uh, you know, those that uh, came, uh, Baruch Hashem had an uh, extraordinary experience. I know I myself enjoyed it a lot, meeting uh uh, a lot of uh, new faces, Baruch Hashem, that came from different parts of the country, from California, from uh, New York, from Pennsylvania, uh, from f- uh, far places in uh, Florida. People drove, you know, four hours uh, each way just to come uh, and, and join us. People came from Texas. Uh, Baruch Hashem, a lot of wonderful people that, uh, you know, came, got chizuk, uh, got uh, a experience of a lifetime. And uh, those of you that uh, missed it, uh, I can't tell you that uh, you'll uh, you'll have the same event uh, you know soon, but we will have another event uh, at some point as Hashem after Pesach. But the same event will never be. Uh, why? Because each event is of its own. Each event is has a, a life of its own, 
and uh, the people that are in the crowd, uh, you know, throughout all of the years that I've done it, always tell me I felt like you were talking to me. And uh, of course, people that watch online also have uh, the uh, similar Siata Dishmaya, where they uh, they get their own uh, personal musar and messages when they watch the shiurim, especially if they're looking for the truth. But there's nothing like uh, seeing a shiur live. Uh, just because you're part of it, it's uh, it literally takes a life of its own. So, Baruch Hashem, we had the uh, great event, success, uh, successful event last week. A uh, couple of things that uh, Baruch Hashem uh, to give you uh, updates on the uh, the campaign for pulling Baruch Hashem was a very big success. We reached hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, helping many people literally put food on their table that they uh, simply would have not had. Uh, the situation in Israel is uh, deteriorating by the day uh, as uh, quickly as the prices are uh, getting higher and the heresy and stupidity by the uh, Israeli government is uh, you know, crossing all borders and all lines, uh, such as the difficulty of the uh, poor Jews that are in Eretz Israel, especially uh, the ones that uh, have Yirat Shemaim, the ones that are uh, Avrechim learning Torah and, and doing everything possible and uh, Baruch Hashem we had the merit to uh, once again uh, help hundreds of uh, people and uh, the biggest campaign of the year uh, the, uh, the Kimcha de Pischa the Pesach campaign is uh, is upon us uh, we uh, haven't had the time to uh, set up the campaign yet online as I always tell you these things take a lot of time and this time of the year it's also tax season, which uh, takes a uh, exorbitant amount of time uh, to deal with. But uh, you know, we uh, we're getting phone calls and messages uh, that are literally getting worse by the day, especially with the new uh, terrorism uh, that uh, that's upon us. Uh, you know, as uh, we learned from our sages, uh, you know that when a tzaddik leaves, the uh, the protection leaves with him. Uh, just like we learned with, when Yaakov, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, each time they left, uh, especially uh, 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 you know during that time where uh, there was a limited amount of righteousness in the world, tragedy hit. Uh, and of course, we know that uh, these are similar things happen in the world when uh, big tzaddikim leave us. Rav Kanievsky, uh, throughout all of the years that uh, he was uh, learning Torah nonstop in Bnei Brak, Bnei Brak was, Baruch Hashem, protected. Uh, you know, whether it was Saddam Hussein, Imach Shimov Zichro, uh, that uh, literally targeted uh, civilians with his, uh, with his missiles. Not a single missile touched Bnei Brak. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, due to uh, the merit of uh, the tzaddikim that are there, needless to say, also uh, Rav Kanievsky, who promised in the name of the Torah that nothing will hurt the people of Bnei Brak. But unfortunately, now that the tzaddik has left us, and is now learning Torah with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Moshe Rabbeinu, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and Gan Eden. That protection is uh, is no more. And uh, we already see that since he passed, there are several terrorist attacks uh, that uh, in Israel that we've never seen before. Simply, uh, you know, the, the terrorism of yesterday is uh, old-fashioned. Uh, Kadosh Baruch Hu is raising the ante uh, once again, uh, you know, after bringing a uh, incurable virus uh, that uh, you know caused a lot of uh, hardship and uh, difficulties for Am Yisrael, a lot of confusion, a lot of heresy, a lot of people going against the rabbis. Uh, this coronavirus and all of its uh, fruits that came out of it, the rotten fruits that came from it, 
not only caused uh, physical death, but also called, uh, caused a lot of spiritual death uh, for people that went against rabbis that disagreed with them uh, about how to uh, deal with it. And uh, do, needless to say, uh, the, uh, the situation that uh, didn't get any better with uh, financially, a lot of people uh, lost their jobs. A lot of people uh, lost their, uh, you know, main source of income in their businesses. Uh, a lot of people suffered throughout the last couple of years. And if uh, that's not bad enough, you also had a, a new uh, government uh, put into place, run by lefty liberal, uh, anti-Torah, anti-Semitic uh, people uh, that are running the Israeli government right now. Literally, it's no different than having Haman himself as president. Uh, the, uh, uh, as uh, Rav Meir Eliyahu, Sheikh Yeh, calls him Liber uh, Haman. Liber Haman is a Rasham uh, that uh, hates the Torah and uh, literally had campaign videos in Russian uh, having the similar words and, uh, and, and uh, overall uh, language in general uh, that uh, the, uh, the Nazis have. Uh, only that he was catering to his, uh, you know, to his uh, Nazi followers, many of them unfortunately from Ukrainian descent. Uh, the very same Ukraine that uh, are, is at war right now and being punished by a Kadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, this is, uh, this is unfortunately, uh, you know, not, uh, not as, uh, simple as people make it seem to be. This is not a, uh, a happenstance. Ukraine is not being punished for no reason. Uh, of course, this is not to say that we agree with, uh, terrorizing people and murdering people for no reason. But, uh, again, nothing happens for no reason. As we've learned already time and time again, Akadosh Baruch Hu runs the world with a set of rules that he even, uh, has for himself. And uh, most uh, importantly is the reward and punishment, rewarding the righteous and, uh, and punishing the wicked. And of course, Akadosh Baruch Hu's patience is unlimited. And, uh, you know, there are endless examples of when Akadosh Baruch Hu would wait decades, if not even centuries, before he would punish a certain nation, a certain people. Uh, for things that they've done, uh, you know, individually, there are times that he would let a wicked person do all of the bad things that they want to do for a period of time, years even, and then eventually bring the wrath of God on him that no one can help him from. Uh, so as the Rambam writes in the, uh, in, uh, uh, and in other places that, uh, there are some severe punishments in the Torah. But the worst possible punishment that a person can get is when a Kadosh Baruch Hu removes the, the person's ability to do tshuva. There is a slightly lesser horrible punishment of uh, removing the, uh, the person's willpower to do tshuva, uh, but meaning that there's no help from Shemaim for that person to do tshuva, but there's something that's completely worse that is uh, literally unfixable, which is removing the ability of a person to do tshuva, meaning that he doesn't want it. Uh, this is a rare exception. Don't ask me if you are one of those people because if you're watching my shiurim, if you're even thinking about tshuva, surely you're not getting that punishment. Even if it's very difficult for you to do tshuva, if you're even thinking about doing tshuva, then surely you're not getting that punishment. But the point being is, is there are certain people that a Kadosh Baruch Hu will allow them to do a lot of damage. A lot of damage literally using them as the stick to hit his people 
because his people sinned many people like to complain uh, about the, uh, the the government and the uh, the uh, the liberals and so on but as our own very dear Rabbi Ephraim said in the shiur this past week stop complaining about the Palestinians stop complaining about the the, uh, the Zionist government stop complaining about all of these weak people this is all a punishment because we haven't done tshuva all of those people are simply sticks that Hashem is using. He could simply eliminate them tomorrow and replace them with tzaddikim, or he can simply continue to use them. But complaining about those people as if that can change anything is not going to do anything. We only mention it in Shurim simply to educate people that there's more than meets the eye. There's more to, to the world than what uh, perhaps uh, they're getting from their liberal media that's out there that's picture perfect uh, and makes everything seem as if uh, the, uh, the the good guys are uh, winning, the bad guys are losing, uh, and uh, it's not exactly all that. So the point is, is that you have a situation where Kadosh Baruch Hu is upping the ante. We have a horrible situation going on right now, where in the recent years, the uh, the uh, the Arab terrorist Imachshimam Vezicham would uh, instill so much fear on the uh on the people in israel that they could literally walk into a store or 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 be in the middle of the street with a uh disposable knife with a uh with a butter knife and literally kill people because everyone is so scared fulfilling the curse in parashat bechukotai and parashat kitavo that there is a fear that hashem puts on the jewish people that could make even a thousand of them not be able to handle a single terrorist so it's not because of power, but rather because of a certain punishment from Shemaim to make them fear. And uh, even have a government as stupid as the one that we have right now that tells the, uh, you know, the, the soldiers that are supposed to protect the people that uh, when they shoot the terrorists, the, ter- the very same terrorists that killed people, they'll actually go to jail. So now instilling fear even on the protection. So you can't rely on the government. You can't rely on the IDF. You can't rely on the police force. You literally cannot rely on anything uh, other than a Kadosh Baruch Hu. And of course, when you have the majority of people not observant in, in Torah and Mitzvot, it's very hard for them to get their head around this. So now that Hashem upped the ante even more, and the terrorists are now walking around the middle of the street, driving in, uh, in, in motorcycles, riding motorcycles and cars with automatic weapons sticking out of the uh the uh the windows and the motorcycles and literally shooting everybody in sight like a movie like a video game and just killing whoever they can it's literally just by the kindness of Hashem that they didn't kill a few hundred people rather than you know instead of just a few a few people uh it's it's literally the kindness of Hashem the amount of damage that they wanted to cause over the last couple of attacks in, in Bnei Brak, in Chadera, uh, all of these things that are happening, literally they're walking around with automatic weapons that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu would simply allow the world to run without his protection on it, you could literally have hundreds of bodies, Chaz v'shalom, Chaz v'shalom, hundreds of bodies piled up and no one even knowing what to do because even again, like I said, the protection is scared for their own uh, lives. Uh, but not from the, they're not even scared from the terrorists, they're scared of the bigger terrorists, which is the government itself. So a scared soldier is a dead soldier. And unfortunately, this is what we have in the world today. 
and uh, this is a Kadosh Baruch Hu showing us that it's up to us. It's up to us to love Am Yisrael more than they love themselves. It's up to us to do more for Am Yisrael than what they think is even capable, what's possible. There are many people that are struggling financially right now because all of the things that are happening now in Israel are not all of what, what's going on, obviously. We also have the 53 billion shekels that the Israeli government is giving to the Palestinian terrorists. This $53 billion will surely is going to allow them to uh, you know, uh, increase their weapons. Perhaps that's how they're getting their automatic weapons now. Uh, I know that somebody uh, asked me, oh, can you quote a source for where the 53 billion uh, shekel is saying? Because I think you're just making it up. Like I have nothing better to do. Go look at the news if you want to waste your time. It's public, it's public news that that's what's happening. Of course, people have a much easier time going uh, and, and, and asking me for sources and, and looking for mistakes because chas v'shalom, that uh, you can touch their, uh, their, uh, their horse, their favorite horse, that is their fake reality. Now, again, the uh, important thing to know is that the situation is, is as bad as it is, it's not a lost cause. A Kadosh Baruch Hu does not put us in a test that we cannot handle. He doesn't give us a test that we can't handle. But again, the, uh, when you look at the lives of people, and how they live, especially people in Western society, especially people that are not living in Eretz Israel, and how they uh, justify their actions, you see that perhaps, perhaps we're not doing enough. Perhaps the, 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 the energy, the resources that we are exerting is not necessarily going to the right places. Because when you look at the world of Yeshivot, the world of Torah, the world of Avrechim, the world of Kiruv, with the amount of money that people have made, forget about how much they have, just simply the amount of money that people have made. And I'm not talking about people have made like the billionaires of the world. I'm talking about the common people that had a few dollars that they invested in Bitcoin, had a few dollars invested into real estate, had a few dollars invested into businesses or into the stock market. Over the last five, five or 10 years, literally you have endless amount of people that have made a fortune a fortune uh you know both relatively and uh, you know uh in comparison to historically uh over the last several years so much so that just from the uh maser, just from the maser of the profits that people have made you could literally fund all of the world of yeshivot all of the avrechim all of the cube operations that are necessary to literally make all of am Yisrael do tshuva but unfortunately that's not happening the amount of people that give maser and i know it's not just for us as an organization but just generally overall the amount of people that give maser to give 10 percent of their income towards torah is not increasing very much if anything in some cases it's decreasing people are so obnoxious and so uh uh, uh just uh, warped in their mindset that you even have people uh take money that they were supposed to give in staka and instead use it for other things and now unfortunately some people that have such a yetzerah such a yetzerah for money that even after they do a mitzvah the yetzerah doesn't leave them alone and they fall for it like we had uh, several times happen even recently somebody that uh, donated on behalf of themselves and their family almost three thousand dollars to help us 
uh, uh, feed the poor people for the campaign in pooing. Now, of course, this is very nice. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, but uh, it's thank you very much if you actually uh, continue with this process, with, uh, but not dispute the uh, transaction after we've already spent the money. And unfortunately, that's what happens sometimes. People donate money and then they dispute the transaction, meaning that not only did you lose out on the mitzvah, but now it's turned into a sin because now you've actually stolen money because we've lost money because of you. Now, we don't spend much effort chasing these people around. We send, usually send them a single message to see if this is a mistake or this is intentional. If they respond, uh, usually it's because it's a mistake. If they don't respond, it's because it's intentional, simply because they care less. They're too self-centered, too, uh, uh, too uh, 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 ignorant of the consequence of their actions, and there's not much for us to do. But again, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that runs the world, so we're not going to skip uh, any, any nights of sleep because of it. It just tells us how bad the situation is with some people, where you have certain people that literally will send you 10 questions a week, uh, you know, a few hundred questions during the year, and then when you do the annual report, you see that this person donated $18. Now, again, if this person was so poor that uh, they can't donate more than $18, how could they afford all this internet access for the hundreds of questions? You know, some people say, listen, Rabbi, I binge on your shurim. I watch at least one or two a day. And then you look at the annual report and you see this one or two videos a day that this person is using to change their life hasn't woken up their bank account because they only donated $50 for the whole year. And again, I'm not talking about poor people. There are literally very few poor people in Western society. Uh, and, 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 and the reality is sometimes you'll see people from India, people from uh, you know, uh, different parts of uh, the Philippines, people from Malaysia uh, that literally donate more money than people that make 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 more uh, uh, money that they make. You have some wonderful people, some Jews, some righteous Noahites that do whatever they can to send you that $100 every month or $200 or whatever it is, or $50. And then when you add it all up, you see these wonderful people actually got themselves a spiritual bank account at the end of the year of $1,000, $2,000 that they donated, but the other people that binge on your shurim, that supposedly changed their life, they, what do they give you? They give you $100 for the year or $18, some miserable sum that really shows you that the shiurim are not really doing much for them. There's something wrong here. There's something wrong when people are canceling their $50 a month commitment and it's not because financially they're doing uh, bad. There's something wrong when somebody donates two or $3,000 and then disputes the transaction. And as I said, this is not the first time this has, this has happened. There's something wrong when the world of yeshivot, the world of kiruv, the world of kolels is struggling so much that we can't grow as fast as we should be able to. There's something wrong when HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to wake us up in the morning with terrorism. There's something wrong when you have grown men and women calling, sending messages, even sending short videos of them and their kids crying hysterically, showing you their refrigerator empty of everything but a little uh, slice of butter. Literally, this is like the Holocaust. This is what we're dealing with, Yerabutai. We're dealing with a circumstance where you have 
poverty on one end by some of the greatest people on planet earth and then on the other hand the people that have the money simply don't feel the need there's something wrong with that there's something wrong with what's going on now of course with our small shoulders we can't fix everything but we can fix ourselves we can push ourselves that's what we can do we can't inspire everyone to the point where everyone decides that oh i'm gonna do it this time you can't some people will be inspired some people will not some people will continue to pretend like they're tzaddikim some people will face facts and realize there's a lot of work to do some people will continue getting better as they already have been in the path of getting better turning from you you know formerly being drug addicts prostitutes drunks uh uh you know heretics and all types of disasters and now beautiful amazing righteous people that are growing and learning torah some people will continue growing continue growing into the amazing people that i saw at the event and that i talk to every day some people will continue bringing more beautiful neshamot into the world where their priority is to learn torah is to do mitzvot is to follow the will of hashem no matter what anybody else says and some people will simply wither into nothing where you have people that literally have millions of dollars millions of dollars where they could build a torah empire with it but they're too stingy to even get uh donate a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars literally it's not something that you don't cry about the fact that they don't give it to you because of course you know that everything is from hashem if you were supposed to get it you would get it nobody in the world can take the food that's on your table that belongs to you whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided for you is you're gonna get but what you cry for is to see that your brothers and sisters are sometimes at such a dismal situation that they don't even realize where they stand they don't realize that the klipa the the spiritual layer on top of their neshama that's comprised of sins is so thick they can no longer see the difference between right and wrong they decide that they know better than the sages they know better than Moshe Rabbeinu they know better than Rav Ovadia they know better than the Rambam and all of the greatest people that ever lived in history that toiled and toiled over Torah because they watched a YouTube video that perhaps doesn't make sense to them and it literally you see people throw their lives into nothing and one of the worst things in the world is when you see the outcome of this stuff where Baruch Hashem the organization has grown tremendously over the last several years we've been giving lectures for many years we've been helping people for many years helping people in a lot of different ways and of course along the way you meet some really really amazing people and once in a while you meet people that are not exactly in such great shape not exactly such amazing people and I remember just a few years ago maybe four years ago or so there was a, uh, a fellow that I met and this fellow told me that he has a ton of money and for whatever reason or another he uh felt that uh, this is something that i care about and he told me about how he has a fancy car and a very big house and a very big company and a very big this and a lot of things and yeah i liked your wall street story and i think the same thing was happening to me but i already changed i already decided that i'm not going to work on the sabbath anymore and uh i decided that i'm going to uh 
you know start learning and okay great so what can i help you with well listen i thought maybe we could uh, talk and uh and, and maybe you could teach me i said i'm sorry i don't give private lessons but if you uh want to watch my videos by all means you're welcome well rabbi why don't you just move to uh to my community and i asked him about his community i told him well is there a synagogue there or anything he goes no no you could start one i said okay are you gonna buy the building he said no i'm not i'm not gonna buy the building but you know i'll help with the rent oh so you want me to pick up my whole family and just decide to go move to the middle of nowhere just so you could have a personal shoe and it didn't make any sense but nonetheless one of the things that i noticed is that you know four years or so have passed and uh this fellow this fellow uh you know I, you know was in and out of touch from time to time and then uh he uh, decides to get in touch and uh i for whatever reason i had this thinking wait i remember this guy i i spoke to him four years ago and 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 nothing has changed actually he's gotten worse look what he could have done with that 50 100 million dollars that he had he could have literally had a hundred percent of all of the growth that bezat hashem has had he literally could have had tens of thousands of ballet tshuva in his spiritual portfolio he could have had a yeshiva empire he could have helped literally fifty thousand people eat over the last few years he could have been part of any of it and what is he a part of nothing zero nothing has changed he's still miserable still nothing but at least you got your money and that's the saddest thing in the world when you see people that have the tools have the tools but don't know how to use them and unfortunately Rabotai, this is not just talking to the people that are secular this is not just talking to the people that are new really religious this is not just talking to them this is also talking to the religious ones among us the ones that think that they're already perfect and they don't necessarily need to change very much and sometimes even the ones that watch our shulim on a regular basis but have hit some type of neutral plateau and they stopped growing or even realizing that they need to grow stop reflecting but instead only focused on projecting they figured that everything that i say in the shield has to do with the guy or the girl behind them maybe on the side maybe somebody else that's watching while for them it's pure entertainment intellectual stimulation at best but the change to improve no no that's not for me i'm already doing the best that i can rabbi and the saddest thing in the world is to see people spend so much time becoming the internet police the internet police i had to rebuke one of my students in a nice way today just literally telling him just a few words that i hope he got the message and i think he's smart enough to get it where you know every once in a while he sends me these messages oh this rabbi did this and that website wrote this and they're doing wrong here and they're wrong that and i'm just thinking to myself i don't have time to read all of these messages i have hundreds and hundreds of messages and most of them are real problems and but of course you have some people send these messages and they figure that anything that's wrong out there just go bring it to me and i'll make a whole sheer about it and have the headaches to go along with it and really after i looked at this guy and i know that this guy learns torah he learns torah he's not a fool he's not a ignoramus he learns torah but then i see what's going on i looked at the last several messages and i started noticing a pattern here what's the pattern pattern is you're spending too much time on the internet that's the pattern 
You're, you're spending too much time on the internet. The internet is a place for you to go learn Torah. Don't spend any time, any time whatsoever investigating the wicked people of the world and being the internet police and going on fighting campaigns with comments back and forth of who's a heretic and who's not that is not going to help anyone especially you but unfortunately when a person forgets the purpose of why we're here in the first place they figure that you know what I'm already doing enough because some of the things that are mentioned in the Shio about Genom, where people that violate Shabbat and waste seed and they steal, they don't, they don't relate to me. I don't violate Shabbat. I don't waste seed anymore, Baruch Hashem. And I don't steal and I don't wear a wig. So since none of this stuff relates to me, perhaps I'm good enough. Perhaps I'm good enough. So what happens? They start coasting. They start relaxing and they start falling without even realizing it literally going into a spiritual death without even realizing it and unfortunately many times when you want to measure people as far as where they stand spiritually just look at where a who is directing their tzedakah money to whether they're even giving tzedakah whether they have bracha in their money whether they're able to get chidushim from the torah that are actual kosher chidushim or you see these people literally three four five seven years same exact thing they started they did a couple of big things but then after that i'm enough anytime you see yourself not growing and not fighting for growth you are declining it's not that you're the same you're declining because a jew only goes up or down never stays the same and that's one of the things that we see from these sages, no matter who they were, whether it was the Gaon Mi Vilna or it was Abi Israel Mi Salant or is anybody else that's out there. When they talk Musal, they're talking to themselves. They're rebuking themselves. And literally, you see people that they're 80 years old, full of Torah, full of Kedusha, but still fighting to get better, still fighting to maintain everything, still fighting to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the fullest. And that's what we see with this letter. This letter of Baruch Hashem is one of those things where you could read it a million times and still go more, get more insights from it. Same thing like all of the other letters that we've reviewed in the past, the Geret Ramban or the, uh, the Kuntres by Aravasaman or all of the rest of the Torah is something that you can learn and toil and toil and toil over it and always get something new. Unfortunately, when a person allows themselves to get some good stuff, but he mixes it with some chametz, then you can ruin everything. And it's no, uh, it's no secret that we all have a mitzvah that's coming up over the next couple of weeks before Pesach, where before Pesach begins, the night before, on the 14th, we all have to go look and destroy the chametz. And there's a reason for that. Look and destroy the chametz. That's the mitzvah. The mitzvah is to go look and destroy the chametz. Not look and maybe eat the chametz look and if you don't find anything then no big deal no no look and destroy the chametz that's the actual mitzvah why doesn't it say look and find the chametz why doesn't it say look for the chametz and that's it you know if you find find something good if you don't find something no good why because anyone that's looking for chametz like they're supposed to will surely find some 
Anyone that's looking for chametz the right way will surely find some. And that's the physical chametz, needless to say, the spiritual chametz. With the Gemara Masechet Brachot says, anytime a person has difficulties, and who doesn't have difficulties? He should already review his own actions. Where do I stand? Where's my Torah? Where's my mitzvot? Where's my tzedakah? Where's my chesed? Where's my avat Hashem? Where's my avat Israel? Where is my kavod l'rabanim? Where is my honor to my spouse? Where is my honor to my uh, dear friends? Where are all of my mitzvot? Where do I stand with everything? If you're getting into a fight with your spouse on a regular basis, if you're not liking to give tzedakah, if you're not enjoying your prayer, if you don't like to study, and in fact, you don't even find yourself studying at all Torah, if you are finding yourself more inclined to do the things that the goyim do, play sports, watch them, watch the Oscars, uh, read the news, if you find yourself doing things like that, you should know you have a very serious spiritual disease. And the longer you let it go, the worse it becomes. If you find yourself not able to give tzedakah, that's not because of financial circumstance. That's because of spiritual circumstance. Because surely there are people that make less than you and yet give more than you. How can they do it? It's not because they manage their money better. It's because they manage their neshama better. And that's one of the things that a person never really thinks about. Many times a person gives a lot, but he gives to the wrong places. Never thinking, what, is it the right place? Is it the wrong place? The reality is, Abutai, if a person wants to check their spiritual status, check where, where do you stand with all of these things I just mentioned. What kind of fruits are you getting out of the things that you're getting? Are you getting new chidushim? Are you helping people do tshuva? Are you, are you growing spiritually? Do you see your kids getting closer to Hashem? Are you able to overcome the difficulties spiritually that are around you? Are you able to cope with the problems psychologically? by using the Torah or are you always using the, the, the Gentiles that are self-help gurus instead as if there's no wise men among us. If a person actually delves into the chametz that's inside him or her, surely they will find it and the mitzvah is to destroy it. It's not, the mitzvah is not just find chametz. The mitzvah is not just find chametz and ah, don't do anything about it. The mitzvah is find and destroy chametz. Why? Because if you're looking, surely you will find, and your obligation is to already be ready to destroy it before you even found it. Before you even found it. And that's one of the things that we have to do as a, as a person each and every single day. Now, the Gaon Vilna has been telling us Time and time again, how important it is to learn Musal, how important it is to, uh, to, to teach it to our kids. Now he's talking to his son-in-law, who is a Talmud Chacham, a person that's learning Torah on a regular basis, not just doing it on the side, but making it his vocation. Making it his vocation, taking the blessing, the blessing of making Torah your life. Now sure, learning Torah full-time is not for everybody. It's not for everybody. If you have the ability to do it, surely you should do it. If you don't have, you still could learn two, four, six hours a day. I mean, you don't need to think that just because 
Learning Torah like an Avrech is not something that you can do. That means that you're absolved from learning it more than just watching the occasional shiur. Every person can learn for a few hours a day. Every person. Now, if you're just starting out, this is the first shiur that you're ever watching or the first shiur that you're watching in a long time. This is not, this two, three, four, five, six hours is not something that most of you are able to start with. Typically, 15 30 minutes is what somebody can start with and that's fine too that's how i started 15 minutes a day but every day no exceptions no uh nothing you have to make it like breathing you breathe every day you eat every day you drink every day you have to learn to every day you have to feed the neshama every day and that's going to help you do more mitzvot and that's going to help you serve hashem even better and want it more but if a person learns a lot one day but nothing for several days it's as if he did nothing so a person needs to know that you have to constantly grow in Torah. But to, the, the further you grow, the more difficult it becomes. Why? Because now you start realizing that that siyata dishmaya, that divine assistance you had from heaven, okay, that helped you in the beginning, where you were able to sit down or stand up for two, four, six hours straight and get all types of amazing new insights. You felt certain ways. You saw certain things. You 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 were able to uh, to literally feel what you were learning during the first one or two years. All of a sudden, it's much more difficult. All of a sudden, it's hard for you to get even uh, an hour in. All of a sudden, it's hard for you to even understand what's going on. Don't think that the you have to give up for a second. Don't think that you've gone down, but rather you've gone up. Why? Akadosh Baruch gave you special training wheels in the beginning to get you going now he wants to move you up he wants to move you up but he has to test you so now you have to fight for the Torah you have to literally steal hours steal minutes from everywhere you can you have to be very particular about your schedule very uh uh, uh, um, uh committed to it because if you are committed to it you will eventually succeed much more than you did before but again the Gaon Vilna says that despite the amount of Torah that you've learned in your past, your Avodat Hashem, your Avodat of the Midot, your servitude of Hashem, and your constant self-introspection has to continue at any stage of your life. Thereby, he talks to his son-in-law, who is a Talmud Chacham, and he tells him things that are simple, to learn Torah for the sake of heaven, to make sure to, uh, to teach Torah, but also to make sure to learn and teach Masechet Avot. Masechet Avot, that, that is in essence the, uh, the, the, the tractate of the Mishnah, that is the teachings, the moral teachings of our sages, of our forefathers, that a person that reviews it and delves into it realizes that the wisdom in it is in itself never-ending. This is the reason why and, you know, many of the Chachamim, literally, I can't think of anyone who has it. Many of the Chachamim have Chiburim, have writings. Some have been published, some are private. Uh, but nonetheless, many of the Chachamim have writings on Masechet Avot, have their commentary on it. And all of them are different. All of them are getting different teachings where there's literally endless, endless wisdom on Pirkei Avot because this is moral teachings. So the Gaomi Vilna is telling this Chacham, that's his son-in-law, make sure to learn Pirkei Avot. Yeah, but what, you probably learned it already at least a dozen times. Why does he have to learn it again? Because each time you'll see more. You'll find more Chametz inside yourself. 
You'll, you'll find more chametz in society. You'll find more reasons to serve Hashem. You'll find more reasons that you're uh, able to uh, run away from, uh, more ways to run away from the Yetzirah, from the evil inclination. But that in itself is not enough. Why? Working on yourself means that you have to constantly measure your relationships. Which relationships do you have to measure? First and foremost, you have to measure your relationship between you and Hashem. You and Hashem. Many people say, no, me and Hashem, we're like this. Oh, really? So uh, you learn to lie every day, uh, what, 5, 10, 15 hours? How many hours? No, no, you know, I get, uh, I watch a shiur here and there. Oh, so, wait, so Hashem's instruction said, Hashem's love letter is the Torah, and you're saying you're glued to Hashem, but the Torah, the love letter, only once in a while you get to it. That's what you're saying? Okay, next question. So, you know, your servitude of Hashem, is that helping you uh, keep Shabbat? Well, you know, I'm not quite uh, there. I just don't work on Shabbat. Wait, so what do you do if you don't work on Shabbat? Why can't you have Kiddush? Why can't you have a uh, go to synagogue? Why can't you uh, stop uh, working, uh, you know, uh, stop playing with your phone? Why? Oh, you know, I'm bored, I'm single, or I'm newly married, or the kids want to play, and you know, I don't want them to cry, so I take them to, uh, you know, somewhere every time. Wait, but I, you just said that you're glued to Hashem. How are you glued to Hashem if you're desecrating a Shabbat? How, how exactly does that work? And people live a deluded uh, reality, thinking that they are close to Hashem, when in realities, uh, in reality, HaKadosh Baruch calls these people as haters. People that do not observe Torah and mitzvot, that uh, people are called Hashem's haters, Hashem's enemies. Uh, this is a uh, not uh, mentioned just once or twice in the uh, by the sages, but it's actually mentioned in the Torah itself. Look at uh, the book of Deuteronomy, Parashat Vayit Chanan, Meshalem El Sonav El Panav Leavido. Kadosh Baruch says that he will pay cash to his haters to their face. And who are these haters? These haters are the people that do not observe Torah and mitzvot. But a person can say, no, no, he's perfectly fine with Hashem. And sometimes it seems like he is. You see him in synagogue. You see him learning here and there. You may even see him say a Dvar Torah. So you have to go to test number two. Test number two is, how are you when it comes to your, your Am Yisrael? How are you when it comes to Am Yisrael? Do you care about Am Yisrael? Are you, are you making sure that you, uh, you show your love for Am Yisrael? Yeah, Rabbi, I get along with everybody. I didn't ask you if you get along with everybody. Do you show your love for Am Yisrael? Do you know what that even means? To show your love to Am Yisrael? Well, you know, I, I get along with everybody. It's not loving Am Yisrael. No, that just means that you don't get into any fistfights. To love Am Yisrael means that you care for their well-being no less than you care for your well-being. So that means you have two parts of well-being. You have the spiritual well-being and you have the physical well-being. When it comes to the spiritual well-being, did you make sure that your portfolio in, you know, for, for helping Ami Sled get closer to Hashem spiritually is growing as rapidly as your financial portfolio? You know, your bitcoins, your stocks, your real estate, your businesses, your cars, your watch collection, all the stuff that you want, all the stuff that you already have, all the stuff that you forgot about, all that stuff continues to grow. You continue to accumulate more stuff. Amazon keeps shipping more boxes to your house. Different dealers are keep calling you every day because they know you're a good customer. Everybody gets excited when you walk into the mall. You know, so your 
stuff, portfolio, continues to go up. Your broker, your financial manager, your insurance advisor, all of those people, they depend on you to, uh, to uh, have an addition to their, uh, to their uh, vacation house. Each year, they make enough money from you. So surely, your portfolio is growing, you're growing. Your 401k is growing, your IRA is growing, your stock is, everything is growing. Is your spiritual portfolio growing also? And I don't mean you learning Torah. I mean helping Am Yisrael learn Torah. Helping Am Yisrael get closer to Hashem. Do you love Am Yisrael by caring enough about their well-being? Because if that portfolio is non-existent or virtually non-existent in comparison to the rest, then perhaps you don't love Am Yisrael as much as you think. No, but Rabbi, I gave Staka, you know, I helped a few poor people uh, last year. I gave, uh, okay, so let's check the physical portfolio. Now, your Pesach last year, how much did it cost you? Two, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000? Yeah, it cost me probably, I don't know, probably we went away last year. So, yeah, you know what, Rabbi? Yeah, by the end of it, probably cost about twenty, twenty-five thousand. dollars 25000 Oh, so you took the whole family on some vacation that everybody said it's kosher food over there? Yeah, twenty, twenty-five thousand. 25000 That's a pretty good deal. Okay, so now, 25000 you spent on your Pesach right and you're just one family did you at least consider that maybe you should spend at least as much at least as much on helping am israel's pesach but not help one family Twenty-five thousand can help a lot more than one family did, did you think perhaps your one family expense should be somewhat similar to the expense you spend on am israel did you think about that well, perhaps maybe that's too much for you. What about 10%? You spent 25000 Did you think maybe you should, you know, help Amisrael with $2,500? Not rupees, because then we're not going to get anywhere. Did you think about that? Just like the same currency you used to pay for the vacation, perhaps use the same currency to help Amisrael eat. Did you think about that? Well, you know, I helped that guy that's uh, downstairs from my office. You know, I gave him like 50 bucks here and there exactly you see everybody gives something and that's how the yetzirah gets you he gets you to give stuff and he gets you to give so often and he gets you to give to the wrong places just to satiate that hunger in the wrong way it's like junk food it's like you eat you order chinese food make sure it's kosher you order it you get a plate literally the plate looks like it has enough food for 50 people but it's only for you you got the lo mein you got the uh the the, the rice you got the uh the, the 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 mongolian chicken the the this chicken the spicy chicken it all tastes the same but they call it different names and you have a plate literally it's bigger than your stomach and you consume it as fast as you can because it's so sugary and so delicious and you figure oh i'm good for the night not a half hour later passes and you're already hungry. And you're like, whoa, how could it be? Honey, do we have any leftovers from the Chinese food? How? You just ate enough for five people. How? That's the reality. Reality is it's a, you know, it's, a, it's, 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 it's false news over there. It's fake news. What? You're never going to get satiated over the Chinese food. Just like your neshama is never going to truly get satiated off of these fake tzedakot. All of these people that donated zillions of dollars to Ukraine, literally, they have to pray just as much 
about their tzedakah that they gave as they do on helping the people. Why? Because the reality is, first and foremost, they mentioned the other shulim, who knows if it's even going to get to the right place. Who knows if it's going to get to the right place with all the crime over there, with all the corruption, with all the problems that are over there, with the corruptions in the tzedakah world and so on. That's number one. Number two, who knows if that money is going to save the right people. Do you know how many Nazi Ukrainians there are that are actually entering Eretz Yisrael right now and are being protected by the court? They want to allow another million or more nazis into israel just like they did in the past they allowed a million russians into israel under the premise that they're all jews only to find out that only four percent of the million russians that entered are actually jews literally they allowed almost a million people to enter Israel as jews even though they're not jews and now people are donating zillions of dollars literally tens of millions of dollars to help the ukrainians okay fine you want to help the ukrainians do you understand that you may be helping the next guy that's going to be like this liber haman you could be helping a guy that could be a heretic that's going to publish another god needs you book that's full of heresy do you understand that you have to pray for your tzedakah to bear fruit people send money because it touches their heart but that's not the way to invest that's not that you don't invest with your heart i was in the investment business for almost 20 years i can assure you people that invested with their heart didn't end up so well why you don't invest with your heart you invest with your mind you have to see where do i need to spend my money where do i need to invest my money lead us to say you're stucker because that's the only money you truly have the only money you truly have is Staka money. But if your Staka money is funding Nazis, it's funding liberals, it's funding anti-Torah mentalities, and you think it's a mitzvah, you have a surprise waiting for you. And that's one of the things that a person usually doesn't think about. They figure that if I gave 5000 here, 2000 there, $50 there, $20 there, I'm good. But when you really do a portfolio analysis, as we call it, it doesn't work out so well doesn't work out doesn't look so good sir i think you have to reevaluate i think you have to restructure the whole thing why it sucks in english that's what happens that's what happens when we evaluate where we go where we invest so when we analyze our love for ami Sen, we see that their spiritual status eh, their physical status eh we don't care so much about them as much as we thought we do because we're not necessarily investing as much time and energy to analyze where what we're doing how much we're doing if it's appropriate if it's not if it's the right place if it's not many times people donate based on either emotional uh, uh video that they don't even understand what it says or they invest based on who is the best salesman who is the one that's gonna you know kiss up to them the most amount of time call them the most amount of time and make them feel good about their wealth the most amount of time that's the wrong approach remember your spiritual portfolio is comprised of dollars that you invest into good things and bad things not just good things good things and bad things and if you have a lot of bad stuff that you funded you'll get punished for every single penny why that's just the way the world works that's how kadosh Baruch Hu runs the world so now a person analyze their relationship with a kadosh Baruch Hu and they say perhaps i have some work to do you analyze the relationship you have as far as loving ami said you realize perhaps i have some work to do then you have to analyze the third part your immediate circle 
Meaning, your wife, your husband, your children, your rabbi, your community. How's your relationship with them? Oh, no, it's perfect. Is it perfect just from your perspective? But your wife cries every night herself to sleep because you're such a miserable, cheap, stingy, you know, good-for-nothing person? Like, it's perfect by according to who? Who is it perfect by? Are you analyzing it from your perspective or from their perspective? Is, 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 is it per- perfect from your perspective because you have everything you want, but yet your husband has to work three jobs just to pay for everything you want? That's why you think it's perfect? Is it perfect because you think that, oh, no, everything is good. My kids are going to the, uh, the school and everything is good. Okay, it's perfect from your perspective because you send your kids to school and you only see them once a year, but your kids could be cracking out and you wouldn't even know because you haven't even called them in a few weeks. It's, it's perfect because you're able to hang out with your girlfriends every day and have coffee because your kids are out of your hair. Why is it perfect? From whose perspective is it perfect? Sometimes you have kids literally crying to their parents for attention. And when their parents don't pay attention, you know what they do? They become bad kids. They figure my dad, my mom didn't give me any attention when I was looking for attention. So you know what? The only time they gave me attention when I started breaking stuff, when I started destroying stuff, when I started doing bad things, that's when they paid attention to me. When I ended up in the hospital, they paid attention to me. When I ended up doing stupid things, they paid attention to me. So the kid starts doing it. And then sometimes you talk to the parent, you tell them, listen, why don't you uh, spend some more time with the kid and perhaps see where, where, where is all of this leading? Because it seems like your kid is crying for attention. If your kid's 12, 13 years old and says, I think I'm homosexual, that's a kid crying for attention. It's not a kid that's really homosexual. It's a kid that's crying for attention. It's a kid that's crying for re-education. Yeah, but I'm busy working. Then stop working or simply don't have kids. You have to understand that sometimes you have to take charge and make a sacrifice for the better good. You have to save this kid. And don't be the one, no, no, I'll just call the rabbi and he'll fix it. It doesn't work that way. There is a, you have a responsibility. You have to fix certain things. You have to work on certain things. And you have to evaluate things not just from your perspective, but from the world around you's perspective. Sometimes you have these guys that live a deluded reality. They think that everything is perfect because they have a uh, they have a house, they have food, they have uh, you know their, their their job. They they learn a little bit. Everything is good, but in reality, the family is miserable. The family is miserable. The wife is depressed. The kids are uh, high. All these different things. They don't happen for nothing. You have to evaluate things from everybody else's perspective to see what can I do? What can I do? Sometimes all you can do is just put out fires until things are under control and then you can start building them. Sometimes there is a little bit of calm time. That's a time to build. Sometimes people are already doing good and then you can simply just Watch them go and guide them from time to time and then do some other things. But you have to understand that you can't just look at things from your own perspective. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And a person that does some self-accounting will always find something to work on. Will always find something to work on. This is why it fascinates me how people have any time to spend on the internet. How do you have time to spend on the internet? There are so many things to do. If you evaluate your relationship with Hashem the right way, that already eliminates all the time that exists in the world. 
if you actually evaluate it the right way. Now, let's say we're not tzaddikim, we're not able to do all that. Okay, so we evaluate it somewhat. Then you evaluate your relationship with your own family, your own circle, your community, your rabbi, your, your, your spiritual account. Where do you stand? Already that takes up half the day. If you evaluate your relationship against Am Yisrael, where do you stand? Do you care? Do you not care? Are you contributing? Are you one of these leeches that only takes, 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 where you see some people literally, all they want to do is take. They cannot contribute anything to anyone. Why? These are sick people. Sick people. Don't get mad at them. They're sick. Unfortunately, you hope that they do tshuva. You help. You hope that these people wake up one day and realize it's not just the world around you. It's also you you have to work on. But nonetheless, you have situations, you have circumstances where you have people that don't pay attention to anything and you could have their whole lives going to the garbage without them even realizing. Or better yet, they know it's a problem, but it's too painful for them to fix it. So they simply decide to live with it. This is usually the most common. People are aware of their issues, but they simply are not willing to deal with the pain. They don't want to work on it. They don't want to fix it. They figure, listen, as long as I have the basics that I need, uh, who needs to deal with this pain? This is unfortunately a bad decision that many people make. And again, you don't have to deal with everything at all times. But if you have enough time to waste on the internet, to read the news, to read the comments, to go back and forth with people, to make friends on the internet, how do you have time to make friends on the internet? You have a family, you have kids, you have a husband, you have a wife, you have a job, you have stuff to do. How do you have time for all this stuff? Who has time for all of this stuff? If I, if I could ask for anything from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, other than please have mercy on me and allow me to enter Gan Eden one day, the only thing I could ask is literally give me some more time so maybe I have a chance to enter Gan Eden. I mean, I don't understand how people have all this time. They make friends and they go to bars and they go have a drink. Oh, and what did you do this weekend? How do you have time for these conversations? Who has time for this stuff? Rabotai, we didn't come to this world to have coffee and cake. We came to this world to work. And unless you take your life seriously, no one else will. No one else will. This is what the Gaomi Vilna is telling his Talmud Chacham son-in-law. Now, if you think this is exaggeration, let's just read the words. After telling him to learn Musal, after telling him to learn Musal, after telling him to learn Torah for the sake of heaven, meaning don't expect anything in return, Learn Torah for the sake of learning Torah and fulfilling the word the words of Hashem. That's it. Don't ask for reward. Don't ask for anything. Learn Torah for the sake of learning Torah. That's it. After telling him to do that, after telling him to learn Musa, he still has to remind him, my dear son-in-law. I have to remind you. What does he have to remind you? You should honor your mother-in-law, meaning the Gaumi Vilna's wife, and honor your children's grandmother. Who is the, the Gomi Vilna's uh, uh, mother? You should greatly honor them. With regard to everyone, conduct yourself with politeness, gentleness, and respect. I don't understand. He's not talking to some gangster that's trying to do tshuva. He's talking to a Talmud Chacham. He's talking to a Talmud Chacham, his son in law, somebody he knows. And he's telling him, Things that you're supposed to tell yourself, things that you're supposed to tell your children, things that you're supposed to tell people that are, perhaps don't know this, but he's telling them the same thing. 
He's reminding them of what's the obvious. Because as the Ramchal says in his preface, in the uh, introduction to Mesilat Yesharim, I'm only here to remind you of the things you already know, but in reality we don't know any of it, and everything is a chidush. But nonetheless, he says, I'm only here to remind you of all these things. Why remind you? Because the things that we already know, typically, we don't pay attention to them. We don't pay attention to them. Ask any person on the world. Any person, Jew or Gentile, young or old. Are you supposed to honor your parents? I tell you, of course. Follow-up question. Do you honor your parents? Uh, yeah, well, you know, what do you mean by honor? What, what, what do you mean what I mean by why is it? Why is it a trick question? Simple. What, do you know you're supposed to honor your parents? Everyone will answer yes. Again, assuming normal conditions, not uh, parents that are sociopaths and that torture their kids. I'm talking about normal circumstance. Normal circumstance. You ask any normal person, do you honor your parents? Uh, are you supposed to honor your parents? Everyone will answer yes. Any religion, any part of the world. Do you honor your parents? All of a sudden, you get people to get confused. Why? Well, what do you mean by honor? What you just said that you should, which means that you already have a definition of it. Do you do it? Well, you know, I try, you know, you know. Well, do you want your kids to honor you as much as you honor your parents? And all of a sudden, you get people thinking. And that's a good thing. Because when we think, usually we can get to good places. It's when we don't think that we're already doomed. So here, the Gaomi Vilna is reminding his son-in-law, the Talmud Chacham, of the obvious. In order to get us thinking, are we actually doing it? But he's not even saying, honor me, because he's not going to be there. So what honor do I need? He's saying, honor my wife, who is your mother-in-law. Honor my mother, who is the grandmother of your kids. And also make sure to conduct yourself with politeness, gentleness, and respect with everybody else. Now, these basic things, if you don't work on them, surely you are failing miserably in all of them. Why? As much as they make common sense, they do not come to us naturally. They don't come to us naturally. Now, the Midrash says that a person has to honor his father-in-law as much as he honors his father. Now, even though the Shulchan Aruch in Yoredeah, Siman 240, also says that a person has to honor his father-in-law, he doesn't say like he has to honor his father. Nonetheless, you have an obligation to honor your your in-laws. Again, assuming normal circumstances, those of you, and it's Baruch Hashem, not many, but those of you that I've told you to move as far away from your in-laws as humanly possible, this does not include you because your circumstance was unique. You have psychopaths for in-laws. I'm sorry, that's a reality. You have psychopaths for in-laws, run away. You have normal in-laws that are decent people that want to help you serve Hashem, that uh, that don't intrude on your life, don't feel like they have a uh, you know a uh, your house is a uh, is a bus stop they can walk into whenever they want. You know they give you respect, they give you your space. 
They're not looking to manage your marriage. They're not looking to fly in unexpectedly for a three-week vacation. They're not looking to decide what you're going to feed your kids and where you're going to send them to school. You have normal in-laws. They want to be part of your life. They love you. They try to help you if possible. They're one of those people. That's good. You have to honor them. Good people. Honor them. Obligated to honor them even. But the Midrash says, even honor them as much as you honor your parents. Now again, Alakha is not as much as your parents, but nonetheless, everyone agrees. Lekula Alma is how we say in the Gemara. Everyone agrees, you have to honor your in-laws. Everyone agrees. Where do they get it from? They get it from David Melech. Where did David Melech say it? The book of Shmuel. Shmuel 1, chapter 24. Shmuel had the worst relationship on planet earth with his father-in-law who was his father-in-law Shaul HaMelech Shaul HaMelech gave his daughter Michal to David HaMelech Michal was a tzaddikah and Michal made a mistake where one time she saw David HaMelech dancing in honor of the Torah she said ah it's not kavod for uh for uh, for a king to dance like a fool like you David Melech, me, dance for the Torah like this. Of course, it's all the Kavod in the world to dance like this. Akadosh Baruch Hu agreed with David and he punished Michal. She never had kids. But nonetheless, she was a righteous woman. Her father was one of the most righteous people in the world. So much so that the Tanakh says that when Shaul became a king, he was like a one-year-old. Now, of course, the Christian heretics say, oh, look, there's a contradiction here look it says that he's one years old he's really not one years old no it's like a one-year-old meaning that he was sinless he was sinless we don't read a Tanakh like you read a Harry Potter book you have to understand what you're reading but nonetheless Shaul HaMelech was a righteous king a tzaddik the first official king of Am Yisrael but he had Ruach Shtut literally the Yetzirah entered him and made him think that David his son-in-law is there to kill him he's there to steal the kinghood from him and ended up chasing David Melech for years, trying to kill David. So the book of Shmuel in chapter 24 says about something that happened, despite the fact that Shaul tried to king David and chase him up and low, right and left, in the mountains, in the caves, he chased from everywhere just to find to kill him. David Melech had an opportunity to kill Shaul. He had an opportunity. Shaul was sleeping. Everybody was sleeping. David Melech came close to Shaul. Took his sword and ripped the corner of his tzitzit. And then left the camp. As soon as they woke up, David Melech called out to Shaul and said, Please, sir. In verse 9. Now verse uh, 12. Verse 12 says please sir take a look at the corner of your cloak meaning your tzitzit it's in my hand for when i cut off the corner of your cloak i did not kill you you must see plainly that i have done nothing evil or rebellious and i have never wronged you yet you are bent on taking my life may the lord judge between you and me and may he Take vengeance upon you for me, but my hand will never touch you. See here, David Melech tells Shaul, I could have killed you. Not even your best soldier was able to help you. Don't you see I'm not trying to kill you? 
Don't you see I'm not trying to kill you? So the Midrash and the Gemara and all of the Chachamim discuss this particular verse. Say, look. Look over here. David had all of the chances in the world to kill Shaul and he chose not to. And not only that, not only that, it says, Please, sir, take a close look. It's really my, the best translation is my father. My father, see. See, please, uh, uh, see. Mention it twice. So Chamim say, what, are, what is he talking about? My father, please, see. He says, David Melech, despite the fact that his father-in-law Shaul is trying to kill him, still calls him Avi, still calls him my father, still gives him respect. And Chachamim say, from there we learn that you have to honor your father-in-law. You have to honor your father-in-law. Now again, just like your real father, you're only obligated to, learn, to honor them if they are compliant with the Torah. If they tell you to violate the Torah, no honor is to be given to them. No honor is to be given to them. Not your father-in-law and not your real father. Biological father. But nonetheless, some poskim, actually poskim, just like the Midrash, which they actually say that you have, to, you have to honor your father-in-law and thereby your mother-in-law like you honor your real parents. All of them agree that you have to honor them, but some actually go to the extent like the Midrash and say you have to honor them in the same measure, which is a much, much higher extreme. Now, when we evaluate just this part, just this honoring parents, do we have what we thought was obvious just a few moments ago? Where the Gaomi Vilna tells us, Talmit Chacham, son-in-law, make sure to honor your mother-in-law, Honor the uh, greatly honor your great grandmother, your uh, children's great grandmother, which is your uh, uh, Gomi Vilna's uh, mother. Conduct yourself with politeness, gentleness, and respect. Do we do that with our own parents? When your parents ask you to go do something for them, something simple, go to the store, go pick up something for them, help, give a helping hand. Do you do it with a smile? Oh yeah, sure, Abba, no problem. When do you want me to pick you up from the airport? When do you want me to, uh, where, which store do you want me to get it from? Do we answer that way? Or when they ask us for something where, you know, we have one of those responses like, oh, there's nobody else that can do it. You know, I got, my friends are coming over. I really, I was, I was looking forward to hanging out with them. Is there nobody else that could clean? Is there nobody else that can go to the store? Is there nobody, no, no, nobody else can do this? What, coffee? Can't you just make yourself coffee? I mean, it's only just putting some, you know, sugar and, no, water? What, you, you, your hands don't work? If we evaluate our own self, if we, whether we honor our parents or not, we'll find that uh, we're not always uh, there. It's okay, maybe I'm not honoring them like uh, David Melech, or maybe I'm not honoring them like Yaakov Avinu, but, you know, I'm still, I'm still nice to them. Are you? 
Are you polite and gentle and respectful? When they ask you to perhaps do something, are you polite or abrupt? Are you gentle in your response or once in a while you yell at them? But you figure that, oh, I said I'm sorry, so it's okay. Yeah, if you say I'm sorry because it happens only once in a blue moon, then yeah, I guess, you know. But if you yell at them, you know, four out of five times, saying I'm sorry is to obviously no, to no avail. When a person evaluates their relationship with their in-laws, they'll see that they're not necessarily always where they need to be, let's just say. Needless to say, when a person evaluates where they're supposed to be with Am Yisrael, their community, their rabbi, their, their, their kids, their spouse, the, the different people that they know at work, they'll see that, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm not a Torah scholar, but I'm, I'm polite usually and I'm gentle and respectful. Were you gentle and respectful when you were cursing that guy out that cut you off in the highway? Were you gentle and respectful when the teller behind the counter gave you an answer you didn't want to hear and you made sure that her mother heard your voice also even though she wasn't in that city? Were you gentle and respectful when the bank teller told you that uh, the check didn't clear and it was a clerical error and due to that, you know, you have a problem with this company and you, you told her that gently and, and politely how much you were upset, you were gentle and polite? Were you gentle and polite when your kids perhaps uh, came home with a report card that's not exactly to your uh, likings and uh, even a haircut that's not to your likings? Were you gentle and polite in your response that uh, they learned a lesson uh, you know, and, and they're not going to do it again or you were uh, not so much? If we really evaluate Rabotai, we'll see that even the basics, even the basics that we all take for granted, we sometimes fail. Sometimes we see people get angry and we say, what is he angry about? Sometimes we see people sad. I say, what is he, why would you get so sad about that? Sometimes we see people really confused and you baffle. How did I not get it? It's so clear. But do we do the same thing ourselves? Now you could easily say, oh, everybody should know that there is a God that runs the world. But do you always think that? Everybody should have a muna and should keep mitzvot. Do you always do that? You know, you should stop talking in prayer. Do you always keep quiet in prayer? Meaning, Rabotai, do we dish out both ways to ourselves and also to others? Do we embody the things we say and lead by example? Do we tell people to have a muna and we also? Do we tell people learn and we do too? Do we tell people, be nice, be friendly, love Am Yisrael, love Hashem, 
and we also not always we all fail and we all have to work on it because that that is the minimum requirement from every human being to at least not be a hypocrite now this doesn't mean that a person should be quiet or practically turn himself or herself into a mute and never tell anybody else any constructive criticism ever again the point is to remind us that all of the constructive criticism we give others and more has to come our, t- towards ourselves first and even the things that are simple common sense politeness being nice to people respectful honoring parents that everybody in society agrees is a requirement even having respect to our kids and knowing how to give them the proper chinuch there are times where you have to speak to them sternly even give them a little flick and there are times where just sitting next to them and giving them a hug is the only thing you can do and should do there are times you should play with them and act like a fool just like they do and there are times you should take things seriously and tell them that it's enough there are times that you have to be a listening ear to your spouse even though you're really not interested in anything they have to say and do it with a smile too and there are times you have to tell them listen I have to go back to learning to there are times that you can cure an ailment by simply being a listening ear and there are times that you can cure an ailment by telling them to just stop the nonsense because they're not going in the right direction truth is critical but there's also a time and a place for it the one place that it's constantly required is with ourselves. with others most of the time but not all there are times that you can't necessarily be 100% truthful with people why it would hurt them at that time at that place you have to wait for a better time and a better place and it's but with yourself you always have to be honest you always have to reflect and see where do I really stand do I do what I say or am I a hypocrite if you see that your mindset is constantly agreeing with wicked people you should know you are one of them that honesty is required because it'll save your life or destroy it it'll save your life if you take that into heart and you change it'll destroy it if you ignore it and say nah come on just because I like wicked people doesn't mean that I'm wicked well it does you see when a person is concerned about Klal Israel, at least as much as he or she is concerned about themselves then the stories that you'll hear will make more and more sense to you but if they don't or if they just seem too far for you don't lose hope we are all obligated to think of our forefathers and say when will my actions be like theirs Rabbi Ephraim 
went to a yeshiva in Petah Tikva when he was younger under the teachings of a big tzaddik, Rav Baruch Shimon Solomon, Allah Shalom. And Rav Baruch Shimon Solomon was a big tzaddik, Ish Emet, without skipping a beat. And at the time, the there was a uh, election for mayor, one secular Israeli that had no problem eating non-kosher food, desecrating Shabbat, and had an intention to bring more desecration of Shabbat to the city. And it was a religious guy trying to run. And of course, there were some... Uh, some uh, brown nosers that uh, kissed up to the secular guy because they figured that if they kiss up to him, he'll give them some buildings and some land once he becomes mayor. And unfortunately, some of those people were rabbis that kissed up to him. But Arab Solomon was an Ishemet that protested and put his life on the line just for the sake of getting Jews to keep Shabbat. And Taught, uh, taught our own dear Rabbi Ephraim to think and do the same. Now, when this election was going on, Rabbi Solomon was supportive of the religious Jew. But then a picture came out and an ad, and that picture showed this religious Jew that was trying to run for mayor, shown in such a way that his keeper suddenly lost its way and went to the back of his head. So from the picture, you couldn't tell he was wearing one. And without skipping a beat, of Solomon rebuked this person with roar, roar that he'll remember till this day. How can you do that? Were you embarrassed of being a Jew? Who are you trying to emulate? The secular people? The Reshaim? And surely he was right. And surely HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed. And surely the secular person that was at least honest about his false beliefs ended up winning. Now, many people continued to kiss up to this politician, but not Rav Solomon. And even one day when time passed and this politician really wanted that Arab Baruch Shimon Solomon would shake his hand in camera and make peace because it was a very public war. He was the head rabbi of the city. He was the mayor. You know, so it was a uh, uh, two uh, very big people, very big disagreement. And they orchestrated that they would meet. And Arab Baruch Shimon Solomon was barely able to shake his hand. Literally, he tapped his fingers as if he has AIDS uh, slash corona slash cancer that's infectious by simply touching a finger. That's that's how that's how much uh, he did, you know dreaded touching this guy. So even the shaking of the hand was barely, but that was good enough for this mayor. He wanted any positive attention he can, even if it's fake. Nonetheless, the pictures were taken, and then one of the people that like to kiss up to anybody decided to make their foolish suggestion 
Oh, let's give uh, the mayor lechaim. And got a glass of wine to go bring it to the uh, mayor, the secular mayor. And Rabbi Baruch Shimon Solomon did not skip a beat. And said, no, 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 don't give him anything. Don't give him anything. Don't give him anything, Chaim. Why? He said, Bechalel Shabbat. Don't give him any wine. Needless to say, Rabbi Baruch Shimon Salman never got the building, never got the land. But he did get Olam Abba for sanctifying a Kadosh Baruch whose name and standing for the Emet. Knowing who to be nice to and when to be nice to them. Knowing who to be nice to and when to be nice to them. You can't be nice to everybody all the time because sometimes that niceness is literally evil. When you have people that are desecrating the Torah, desecrating Shabbat, desecrating Hashem's name on a regular basis, and you think that being friends with them, acting as if it's all okay, not telling them that they need to change in whatever way you want. You can tell them in a, in a, in a, through a video, uh, through a uh, audio, through a few words of Torah, through a rebuke, through a story, but needless to say, telling them something and not just pacifying them and making them believe as if their few good acts and their few uh, uh, decent uh, behaviors are okay and uh, you know, they don't need to do tshuva. Being nice to them and, in essence, enabling them to continue their wicked ways is the most evil thing that you can do. It's the most evil thing that you can do. It's not Avat Israel. It's not loving Am Israel. When you sometimes see these people that call themselves rabbis that show up to mixed dancing weddings that are Chilul Hashem and literally a, a disaster a disaster in the making and, and something that brings tragedies to Am Yisrael. And you see rabbis show up to the chupai and kiddushin and even stay sometimes for the event itself while people are dancing, boys and girls are dancing together with each other. And you see rabbis show up to these types of things. That's not Avat Yisrael. That's hating Am Yisrael. That's hating Am Yisrael. When you see people, like some of these wicked people, that say, no, telling people about punishment and rebuke, that's not the way. Bring them uh, with love. That's not Avat Israel. That's evil. It's evil. Don't, don't think about it twice. It's evil. It's 100% evil. To, to simply eliminate parts of the Torah, especially the parts like reward and punishment, is not Avat Israel. It's hating Am Israel. To tell people I'll accept you no matter how you are. That's not loving them. That's hating them. Why? Because anyone with a brain in their head and experience to go along with it knows that the world doesn't work that way. If you do bad, bad things eventually happen to you. Both in this world and the world after. There's no question that those that do evil will have evil come upon them. And there's no question that the same God that wrote the Torah, that made all the miracles for us, is the God that said that there is reward and punishment and those people that are homosexuals, intermarried with uh, Jew and Gentile, uh, they're, they're committing adultery, they're wasting seed, they're desecrating Shabbat, they're not eating kosher, they're corrupting their business, they're, they're simply evil, stingy, bad, and so on. 
those people will get punished severely. Severely, Rabotai. And anyone that says, no, we don't like to talk about punishment, everyone is good, Hashem is going to forgive everyone, that's not Avat Israel. That's hating Am Israel. Why? Because just like if you saw your own child about to jump off of the cliff, about to stick their finger into an electric socket, about to run into moving traffic, about to fall and lay down on the train tracks while the train is coming just to see what's going to happen about to do all types of dangerous things just like you staying there and doing nothing intentionally while you can is evil so is watching your brothers and sisters destroy their eternity and do nothing about it when you can is also evil it's not avat israel avat israel Karim, is when you care about the well-being of am israel both physically and spiritually both physically and spiritually no less than you care about yourself you want to go to heaven you should want them to go to heaven no less than you want yourself to go to heaven even if you don't know them even if you know them and don't like them if you want to emulate Hashem you're not going to be looking for just people that you know to help you're not going to be looking for just people that are your best friends to help you're going to look for anyone you can that's part of Am Yisrael and do whatever you can to help them get closer to Hashem help them serve Hashem sometimes helping them serve Hashem is simply giving them a few words of truth that you see in this shiul and other shiulim sometimes it's to tell them about the, the stories of the sages of our forefathers sometimes it's giving them a meal it depends but if you see that you gave them a meal and two meals and five meals and they've been eating at your house already for a year but they're still driving on shabbat that means the meal in itself is not working if anything it's pacifying them to make them think that they're doing enough which means that your help is not help but rather it's enabling them to continue their sinful ways and it's not love anymore continuing that way is evil a person needs to evaluate themselves with a fine-tooth comb to see do you really love Am Yisrael or not Rav Karelitz, Rav Nisim Karelitz, Rav Shalom. Once somebody knocked on his door and he opened the door and he sees that it's his neighbor from across, across the road. And the neighbor looks flustered. He says, For the Rav, I'm sorry, I have a uh, problem I had to bring to the rabbi uh, because uh, what can we do? We have to tell the truth. Yeah, yeah, what can we do? What happened? He says, Listen, for the Rav, uh you uh you guys painted and uh apparently used too much paint and it went into uh the sewage which ended up causing us a blockage in our house and that blockage was very problematic we had to bring the company we had to fix it and uh listen it cost us 600 shekels to fix it and i don't know uh the rav knows what's din torah i think you should compensate me of Kalelitz 
without skipping a beat, went, got 600 shekels, and paid the man on the spot. The neighbor was very happy, he said, thank you for the love, appreciate it, and left. One of the Talmidim of Arab Karelites was there. He said, how come you didn't, uh, why did you just pay him? Why didn't you argue at least? I mean, a few things. So why did you just decide that he deserves exactly what he wants? He got, he paid 600, you have to give him everything. How, how did you arrive at that? Rav Kareli says, in fact, I had three reasons to justify me not paying him. The first one was that the paint that he's talking about is liquid. And we all know that paint does not cause plumbing issues in the sewage. Number two, he lives across the street. And that means that the sewage systems that comes from our house, from our floor, at no point whatsoever could ever connect to the sewage system that he has in his building across the, across the road. Number three, we didn't paint the house. So now the student is even more confused. So hold on a second. So why did you pay him then? Not only is it one, two, but even three, you didn't even paint the house. So why did you pay him? Rav Karelit says something that only someone that wants to love Am Yisrael can understand. It's a very cheap price to buy a good neighbor. 600 shekels is cheap to buy a good neighbor. Why should I argue with him? If I argue with him and I tell him number one, number two, number three, surely part of him is going to doubt it, disagree with it, forever and ever will always look at me in a certain way ah maybe this maybe that or i could just simply say oh here you go the 600 shekels that's it solve the problem now we're best friends every time he sees me he's gonna smile why we have no problems between us and that it's worth it it's worth it sometimes a person needs to go to a bed dean to resolve his problems you have issues with somebody but sometimes a person needs to do a deen with himself to see, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Sometimes you have to fight for the sake and the honor of the Torah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. Like what we're doing with these missionaries, every lawyer that we've spoken to said, oh, listen, why don't you just settle with them? I told him, listen, no settling will ever happen says what if they told you settle by just removing the video i said zero settling will ever happen we will never settle with them why they're desecrating hashem's name they're enemies of hashem us settling with them in any fashion whatsoever is a desecration of hashem's name we will never settle why this is not a financial battle this is a spiritual battle much much more valuable than any amount of money in the world when a person has a legitimate Torah reason to fight, you have to fight tooth and nail. When a person 
knows that this is not something to fight for then you don't then the torah will tell you not to fight but you have to know when to and when not to when to love and to give cuffs who benefit of the doubt have patience and so on and when there's simply no uh, no no patience allowed in parashat balak we see pinchas ben elazar ben aaron Cohen kill zimri and cosby in a horrific way such a way that literally the the, the midrash the gemara the, the the chachamim discuss it with details literally you feel it you see it and it's a horrific way and then he literally after putting the spear through their organs while they're in the act he lifts them miraculously and waves it like a flag showing it to all of am Yisrael. This gruesome scene was a Kiddush Hashem. Now if one of these fakers would tell you, no, maybe you should have benefit of the doubt, you're not Pinchas, well, let's see. If loving everybody unconditionally was really a reality that we're supposed to do, no matter what, then let's see if we could apply that with Pinchas. If Pinchas would have said, you know what, maybe Zimri... Maybe Zimri doesn't know he's not allowed to be with a Goya. So he's sinning, but it's like accidental because he doesn't know. Or maybe, maybe she converted already. We just don't know about it. Or maybe they're not really going into the tent to do anything. Maybe he's just, he's teaching her for conversion. Maybe they're even reading Tehilim together. You know, they're praying. He's trying to give a chizuk because he wants to get married to her. Maybe she's just a tell me his. Maybe he's just, you know, he's just uh, being nice to the nations. You know, you have to be uh, light to the nations. He's just being nice to the girl. Why? What's the... Maybe this, maybe that. If Pinchas would have said maybe, we would not be here. Because Akadosh Baruch Hu said at the beginning of Parashat Pinchas that he was already in the process of destroying Am Yisrael, that if it wasn't for Pinchas, we wouldn't be here, Chas Shalom. Where there are times to give benefit of the doubt, to be patient, and then there are times where you have to act. Only the Torah will guide you when and how. Because if you listen to your emotions or even your logic, you're bound to make irreparable mistakes where you can think that you being zealous was the right thing but in reality you embarrassed an innocent person in public your ambition was really stealing money from gentiles or jews both are not only forbidden according to the torah as far as stealing but also desecration of hashem when you're stealing from a non-Jew, your ambition was prohibition. Your love also earned you karet because you showed love to somebody you're not allowed to show love to. Whether it's your girlfriend, your boyfriend, somebody else's wife. All of these things have to be measured in accordance to the Torah. 
when a person analyzes these things he can start seeing oh so the difference between Arav Karelitz is me and me is not that he can make decisions that I can't but rather he already learned enough Torah that his opinion of the Torah became his only opinion whereas we are striding striding to all at least have the opinion of the Torah even if it requires us thinking for a week when a person starts listening to the words of the sages they'll see that there's really not much confusion to be had if a person simply dedicated as much energy into learning Torah as they do into doing all of the other things they're not supposed to do now many times people spend a lot of effort looking at what's happening in the world world news instead of looking at the news I can tell you the news of the future Tehilim 117 praise Hashem all the goyim all the nations praise him all the states for his kindness has overwhelmed us and the truth of Hashem is eternal alleluia it's the shortest tailing Psalm 117 what does it say what is David the Melech trying to teach us here it's a prophecy what is the prophecy here? The Vida Melech says the praise of Hashem is going to come from the Goim in the future. The Goim are going to praise Hashem. Why are the Goim going to praise Hashem? Because of all the kindness that he did for the Jews. That's what it says here. Now, any normal person will ask a question why would the goyim praise Hashem I don't need a help there because I can figure they see he did good he's good and so on but why are they praising him for doing good for Amisal that's confusing why the vast majority of the world is anti-semitic not just because of uh today's world but rather because of our Kadosh Baruch Hu, created the world and the end of days is not going to be a uh, pretty picture Esav and Ishmael are both going to attack Am Yisrael together it's going to be a horrific battle but before it, there's going to be many other battles Gogu Magog is just the last section but many wars will be beforehand so the hatred that you see in the streets the terrorism you see all over the anti-semitism in the media the stuff that's become acceptable today and only a few years ago was unacceptable those people will one day praise God because of all of the kindness he gave to Amisrael says the Rebbe Mibrisk the Brisker Rebbe 
Why would the nations praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the kindness he showed us on Israel? Why? Because only the anti-Semitic, only the haters of Am Yisrael, only the Rishayim Arurim that wanted to terrorize you as often as possible, only they and HaKadosh Baruch Hu know how much damage they wanted to cause and how often they wanted to cause it. And only they know how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu saved us even when we were sleeping, even when we thought he wasn't there, even when we thought there's tragedy among us and it can't get any worse, little do we know that it was supposed to be much worse. Only the haters, the enemies, the wicked know how much kindness HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for his children because those evil ones were the same ones that HaKadosh Baruch Hu kept stopping, kept making their plans foil kept making them fail over and over again. They wanted to go with automatic weapons in the street to kill thousands. He says, I'll give you four. We're crying. Crocodile tears. Horrible. You're right. Every Jew is worth the whole world. But do you understand how bad it was supposed to be? Do you understand how bad it was supposed to be? The tunnels the Arabs built literally tunnels you, you the entire cities under israel do you know how much damage this was supposed to be the weapons of the iranians the weapons of of, of uh, the iraqis the weapons of all of these amalekim do you understand how much damage was supposed to be all of these different people that are constantly conspiring on a daily basis to destroy Israel, to destroy the Jews. Even some of them being Jewish and yet behind the destruction of the Jewish people and the Torah and the physical and the spiritual. They know how much damage they want to cause. And they also know how HaKadosh Baruch keeps ruining their plans. So the kindness that HaKadosh Baruch has for us is only clear for those that know how to see. The same goes when it applies to people and applies to loving Am Yisrael. Knowing whether somebody's truly being kind and loving for Am Yisrael is only something that someone that knows what kindness really is. Only someone that knows how to see kindness. Only someone who knows what the Torah says is kindness. There's a lot of fake kindness. There's a lot of false news out there that is viewed as kindness. All these billionaires saying they're going to donate everything to charity when they die. That was one of the scams that started about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And people still are foolish enough to believe it. They don't realize it's just tax planning. But nonetheless, a person that has the sight of the Torah knows that there are things that are clear only to some people that look from the perspective of the Torah. And there are certain things that you'll have the majority of people 
majority of people think, yeah, you're right, this is the way it's supposed to be, and take it for granted and think that somebody else is doing the job, not realizing that nobody else is. You have a situation right now, Rabotai, where there's a lot of confusion out there about what is the job of everybody. And you have people from the Jewish world investing an enormous amount of energy and efforts helping strangers while their own neighbors are starving both physically and spiritually. People think that they are doing mitzvot by leaving their houses and going to help the Ukrainians. And the horrible stories continue to come in. Worse one yet is a husband that suddenly saw his wife become a chasida who needed to go to Ukraine to help the victims there. Leaving behind her husband and five kids, coming back after a few weeks, but already in a hurry to go back. And her husband said it doesn't make any sense. I mean, yeah, she was a decent woman, but where did this urge come from all of a sudden? He didn't believe it. And he followed her. Followed why she's leaving her five kids and husband to go to Ukraine and help a bunch of strangers. And to his dismay, is following her and her phone calls and her conversations and messages led him to find out that she developed a relationship with some guy in Ukraine and she was looking forward to going back to see him. Surely he filed for, he went, took her to the Bedin, got a divorce right away. But nonetheless, she thought it was a mitzvah to go to Ukraine. People think that whatever feels good is a mitzvah. And it's not always the case. You have to look at the Torah compass much more often than you look at your own moral compass. Because your moral compass sometimes is being steered by magnets from the Satan himself. And unless a person has studied an enormous amount of Torah to already have that Torah instilled within them, like Rav Karelitz, like the Chazonish, like the Gaomi Vilna, like the Tzachamim, you'll see that many times our own inner compass is bringing us to the wrong direction. We have to constantly evaluate things. We have to measure ourselves. And this is one of the things that we can't just teach. We have to learn. We have to push. We have to do whatever we can to constantly improve. Because it's the things that seem easy. It's the things that seem obvious that they get us at. Last but not least, something that I mentioned at the beginning of the shoe that is our own test. Test of our emuna, test of our own bitachon, test of our own love for Am Yisrael, because surely the 
haters, the naysayers, the heretics, and anyone that we've exposed in the past have a lot of wonderful things to say about us and how we scare people and how we hate people and how we do all these things. Interestingly enough, we never see any of those people help anybody else but themselves. We never see them publicize anyone but themselves, help anyone but themselves. Well, Baruch Hashem, our Torah has helped us become vessels to help countless people, both physically and spiritually. Get married, keep Torah and mitzvot, convert, eat, have mattresses, get uh, divorced at times even when it was necessary. All types of things. And now, while you have tens of millions of dollars going to Ukraine, supposedly, allegedly, possibly, imaginably, to help a bunch of people, some of which are Jews. I even had one of my dear students who left with his entire family and went to, from Ukraine to Israel, and Baruch Hashem last week met with Rav Ephraim, and miraculous story, not just the leaving, but also the meeting itself. So surely there are good people from there. But not everybody's like that. In fact, not even the majority. Many people are as disconnected from the Torah as you could possibly imagine, and many of them are even against the Torah. Some are even Nazis outright. But yet, the help that's going there from the Jewish world, mainly the Orthodox world, is unbiased, without much consideration for any of the eventual realities that some of these immigration uh, policies will lead to and people are throwing their money into it thinking that they're doing right now whether it's all going to be okay or not we'll see in time but i can assure you that it doesn't look okay not only because of the countless things i've mentioned about it already in this year and in others but also because we have the laws of tzedakah. Laws of tzedakah. Alakot regarding tzedakah. And everyone knows that when it comes to tzedakah, you have to help your own house first. Meaning, if there is somebody poor outside, but your parents are poor, your kids are poor, you have to help your own family first yeah it's sad that the other person is poor too but you have to help your own house first and when you have over a million children in Eretz Yisrael that we know about that go to sleep hungry every night when you have the financial situation of the religious and non-religious world in Israel deteriorate in the worst way we've seen in years 
where prices have gone up so much, many people are simply electing not to buy 30 or 40% of the stuff that they used to be able to buy. People are simply not able to afford it. Where you have working people calling us and asking us for help because despite their job not changing, the costs have changed so much that their job can no longer afford it. So you have so much going on, so much struggling going on in Israel itself, in the Frum communities, in the religious communities you can rely on, that you know these people are telling the truth. You know these people have Yilat Shemaim, you know these people are learning Torah, you know these people are not just hanging out there and choosing to be poor. They work, they learn, they do everything they possibly can, but nonetheless they're still struggling. Some are struggling with big families, some are struggling with sick kids, some are struggling with sick parents, some are struggling because of their own sicknesses. And the horror stories literally are pouring in like a flood. The pictures, the pictures that we get to see, may your eyes never see such pictures. The stories we hear, may your ears never hear these stories. And I tell this to you because I'm telling you, you simply would melt from pain. So when we have so much poverty, struggling, people have no idea how they're going to afford to buy matzah matzah for pesach forget about meat chicken we have one of lech that we just met hasn't bought a piece of clothing in 15 years 15 years hasn't bought a piece of clothing other families we just met the kids were outside begging for change because they wanted to buy a uh, crembo, some uh, candy, some uh, snack. The cost of, you know, $2, a dollar or something like that. Or less. The struggling is so severe, but I don't see many rabbis raising tens of millions of dollars at all. Yeah, surely there's money going and there's money being helped. And surely there's a lot of great help coming, especially during this time of the year. Kimcha de Pischa shows us how many tzaddikim are still left in the world where you have, Baruch Hashem, a lot of people helping. But when you compare that to what we're giving to, I can't even call them cousins because of the history Ukraine has, it just begs the question, what the heck are we doing? Yeah, you could always say, yeah, but we're helping the Jewish people there. Are you sure you're only helping them? Because, I don't know, I, last time I checked, doing a mitzvah is not supposed to be that easy. How is it that you raise so many tens of millions of dollars for that, but to go and start a yeshiva, to go and help uh, poor people, to go and do all the things that we're obligated to do since the beginning of time, 
Literally, you're lucky if somebody donates a thousand dollars. You're like, oh, chazaku baruch, blessings from here till next year. You have to send them a, a blessing that's literally half the chumash because they donated four figures. And not just once, quarterly. Not the donation quarterly, the blessing quarterly. Oh, and if you don't call them, oh, the donation, I'm not donating again. How is it? How is it that there are so many Jews that are from Yereshamayim Jews, Kolel Jews, Yeshiva Jews, Jews that are Jews, don't have food to eat. And yet, $40,000 a bus, easy to get. Literally, there's more money than there's buses. How is it? How is it that's the case? Anyone that learned enough knows something's wrong. Because of that, Rabotai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sending us different warning messages. The terrorists are upping the ante. The disease, the government, the problems, upping the ante. Everything is getting worse. It's not because we're doing great. Shlomo HaMelech thought he was doing great. Shlomo HaMelech was Kodesh Kodeshim. Shlomo HaMelech had, if we could just simply understand the magnitude of his Kedusha and his wisdom, we see that just his throne was beyond our comprehension. Shlomo HaMelech's throne was something that is impossible for anybody else in the world to build. You had 72 lions and eagles and gold that would move, fly. Every step he would take, there would be like a batko, like a voice, a heavenly voice come out saying different biblical statements such as don't pervert justice. Don't accept bribery. Don't show preference of judgment. Don't uh, plant a tree for idol worship. Don't erect a multi-stone altar for the service of Hashem. All types of biblical statements as he's taking steps on his throne that's surrounded by the Sanhedrin. The wisdom that Shlomo HaMelech had was impossible for us to understand. But yet, on the day that they celebrated the opening of the Bet HaMikdash, the grand, biggest, greatest event, the greatest Bet Mikdash, the Bet Mikdash that Shlomo HaMelech did not drink wine for seven years until it was built, literally fasting, having a, a certain fast for seven years until this Bet HaMikdash is built. The holiness of Shlomo Melech was unbelievable. But yet something simple was overlooked. The Midrash says in Parashat Shmini that on the same day that Shlomo Melech celebrated with Am Yisrael the grand opening of the first Bet HaMikdash, he also celebrated his wedding. His wedding to another wife 
who was the daughter of Paro. Chachamim teaches that Shlomo Melech tried marrying each one of the princesses from all of the nations after converting them to Judaism because he wanted to bring Mashiach. And this was a way that he thought would bring world peace by everyone becoming Jewish. So he married each one of their princesses. And along the way came the princess from Egypt. And after converting, after saying she believes in the God of Israel, there was the wedding. Shlomo Melech thought, let's mix the party. We have the party of the Bet Mikdash. We have the party of the wedding. Says the Midrash, Midrash Rabba, Parashat Shmini, Parashat Yubet. Rabbi Yudan says during all the seven years that Shlomo was building the Bet Mikdash, he did not drink wine. However, once he built, once he built it and he married the daughter of Paro, he drank wine that night. And there were two celebrations were taking place there. His wedding and the grand opening of the Bet HaMikdash. One rejoicing the building of the Holy Temple, one of the uh, his marriage. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu Shel Mi'ekabel Shel Elu O Shel Elu Observing these two celebrations, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Whose celebration should I accept? The celebration of these or of those? And at that moment, it entered his mind to destroy Yerushalayim. For it's written for this city has aroused my anger. This is in Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 31. It's aroused my anger and my wrath in me from the day that they built it until this day so that I should remove it from my presence. What happened here? And it goes further and so on. But in the grand opening, the grand opening of the Bet HaMikdash, the smartest man, the smartest man made a common sense error. He celebrated his wedding on the same day as the celebration of the Torah. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu got so angry he wanted to destroy all of Yerushalayim. Why? How could it be that people are celebrating their own house, their own wedding, their own car, their own career, more than my Torah. No, but who says it's more? It has to be more. Why? They like theirs more than they like mine. And he's not even talking about Shlomo. He's talking about the people that are going to the party because surely they want to please the new princess. Forgetting that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is greater than all of the things you could possibly imagine. If Shlomo HaMelech, as wise as he was, as holy as he was, can make a common sense error, needless to say, we can also. So the way that we figured out so far that we can help ourselves is to constantly do a self-accounting. 
constantly do self-accounting as a result of learning Torah to see how our relationship is with Hashem, our relationship is with Am Yisrael, how our relationship is with the world around us, our spouse, our kids, our co-workers, our community, and so on. But remember, we, we said that we have both spiritual and physical concerns, material concerns. So we can't just continue complaining about how people are not doing enough. We have to do more ourselves. So as part of our own test, each year we do a Kimcha de Pischa. Each year we do a Kimcha de Pischa and Baruch Hashem, we try to help a lot of people. But we don't know how much we're going to raise and if we're going to raise. What we do know for sure is that there are more problems today than any other time I've ever seen. Now that may be just because we've gotten more popular and there's more people watching us, so that just simply may be because there's the situation is as dire as can possibly be. And because of that, we couldn't really wait. Like we waited in the past and we planned in the past and we decided that we have to do take action. But take action that's more and more significant than any other time because, like I said, the situation is warranting it. And therefore, we contacted and signed a contract with the uh, supermarket chain, Rami Levy, like we did last year. But unlike last year where we bought $100,000 worth of cards to, to help thousands of people, we took a step further and we put pretty much everything we have in reserves. We, we sent a quarter million dollars and uh, this is the contract with Rami Levy. It's going to be about a little over 800,000 uh, shekels that uh, is going there or went there already. This is the contract. This is the bank wire. And this is the other bank wire. And the reason why there's two bank wires, and I had to do this over the last 24 hours, is because we're running out of time and we need to make sure this gets there with enough time to distribute it uh, before the holiday. And um, when I went to the uh, bank, they wanted to uh, charge uh, 40,000 shekels in uh, exchange fee, which is about $15,000. So we found another way to do it a little cheaper for only 8,000 shekels, so about $2,000, $3,000 by doing it this way that I did. So anyway, you have a quarter million dollars, almost a million shekels, 800,000 shekels or so, that's already contracted, that's already going, that's already bought, that's already paid for as of today. This is uh, everything I've done over the last uh, 24 hours. And uh, I have no idea if any of you are want to be partners. If you want to be partners with uh, for the whole thing, you want to be partners for a small part, if you don't want to be partners at all, those were some of the thoughts we couldn't consider. We couldn't consider if anybody's going to contribute, and we couldn't consider if uh, anyone else is going to care just simply because the makom shen ish yot ish. It's our obligation to, to be leaders when there is no leaders. It's our obligation to 
hear about what our forefathers did and say, when will my actions be like theirs? Now, my actions will never be like theirs, and but we can at least try to get better. Last year, we took a risk of 100,000 shekels and $100,000, and, you know, some people contributed, some people didn't, but nonetheless, Baruch Hashem, a lot of people ate. This year, we're taking it a step much, much further, uh, simply because the need is there, and there is a principle in the Torah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu teaches the prophet Job, who did me a favor first and I'll pay him back. Meaning that there's no way that a person could ever lose by doing the will of Hashem. Does that mean that it's always going to be net-net profitable uh, or, or uh, you know, monetarily? Not necessarily. But what it will be is always it'll be profitable spiritually. It'll always be profitable as far as your servitude of Hashem. And this is one of the things that I'm proud of because although it's a very, very big test, uh, it's one of those things which says, okay, at least we had the merit to have the merit to give, you know, our emunah muscles a, uh, a test. And uh, it's important for each one of us to do the same. Where when we evaluate whether we care about Am Yisrael, we can't just evaluate whether we care about them spiritually. Because that usually can be done for free or for cheap or indirectly. We also have to care about them materially. And this money could uh, easily feed, easily, a uh, 10,000 people. Maybe less, 8,000 people. But definitely it's a... Uh, uh, something that we need to do. I wish we had the $50 million that, and the $100 million they had for Ukraine to feed people. But nonetheless, the point is, is that everybody has to do something. This is one of the ways that you, I, we're trying to lead by example, where we're not an organization that has $50 million or anywhere near close to it. But uh, we are an organization that had this money in the bank. I mean, figured if we have it and we don't need it this second, surely other people need it right now. What will we do? When the bills come for other things and the responsibilities for other things, just like a Baruch who sent this money, will send other money. Now, rationally, makes no sense. Financially, makes no sense. Anybody else do this? I have never heard of it. Is it the right thing to do? 100%. Why? Because we have to show Am Yisrael that we love them. Not just by saying words. And not just by taking safe bets. Sometimes you have to do things that show HaKadosh Baruch Hu that you believe in Him. So this is something that we can celebrate together. Whether you contribute or not is irrelevant. We took under the, uh, we, we're, we're under the impression that no one will contribute a single dollar. If people end up contributing $10 million, by all means, great, fantastic. But if they don't, that won't change anything. Why? Because at least we did what we could and we can teach what we can teach from it. And Be'ezat Hashem, the people will have no less of a respectable Pesach than we do. And that in itself is all the reward in the world, all the profit in the world you can possibly get. If you compare that to actions we've done in the past, I believe it's an upgrade. 
if you compare that to the actions that you're doing you'll know what the solution you know where, where you're at and where this is at if you compare that to where the wicked people are surely you can see that none of them not a single one of them that have a thousand percent more money than we do none of them are doing any of this none of them are helping anybody but their own pockets their own popularity their own uh, name and so on and so forth why because there's a difference when you are there to help Am Yisrael get closer to Hashem then number one job number one job is them their well-being not yours when you are there to build a so-called brand to build a so-called company then the number one mission is to help yourself hence the reason of why they call themselves the number one rabbi on YouTube and the uh, this and all these other different uh, titles that they give themselves and again this is a uh, uh, not a uh, insult for the sake of insult but rather insult for the sake of education to know the difference between right and wrong to know the difference between kasher and tameh to know the difference between words and actions everybody can say I love Am Yisrael what are you doing to show it are you doing you know somebody could say oh I donated five million dollars no problem where did you donate it to how did you donate it to if you donated it to go buy some more tanks doesn't show love of anything other than you but if you care enough about Ami Slayer that you care that they will get closer to Hashem spiritually as well as materially by all means this Rabotai is my uh my chizuk for myself hopefully you got some chizuk out of it as well there were some other things I wanted to discuss with you but perhaps we'll see each other again tomorrow and learn some more tomorrow about Moshe Rabbeinu about Pesach a little bit why we do it how do we do it what does it really mean to be humble what does it really mean to serve Hashem without any uh self-interest perhaps we'll learn that tomorrow so we'll give everybody enough time to digest uh what uh, what they got today thanks again for learning with me Shem bless each and every single one of you at least for trying at least for learning and Bezod Hashem, this too will give each one of us chizuk to get closer to Akadosh Baruch Hu. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen. Amen.